follow me around my hometown She looked like a wolf, she laughed like a hyena She cast no shadow on the ground All the stray dogs in my neighborhood Barked and howled as I passed by But Maggie never showed me her teeth She never left my side Maggie, the mud is frightening someone For those that do not know And Maggie, the mud ain't nothing but a Joy Ultimate Lamb and Rice is formulated with lamb as the first ingredient, pumpkin as an added ingredient for sensitive stomachs, and never made with corn or soy. Along with other top-shelf 100% American ingredients, Joy Ultimate Lamb and Rice is formulated with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, glucosamine, chondroitin, zinc, and vitamin E so your dog will be looking their best from the outside in. Shinier coat, healthier joints, and a stronger immune system. Rest easy knowing you're fueling your dog with the best when you fuel them with joy by feeding them food without any recalls. Find a dealer near you today. Call 800-245-4125 or visit our website, joydogfood.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fueled by Joy podcast. And today we are going to switch it up a little bit from one tree dog to another. We'll probably talk a little bit of coon dogs too, but I'm lucky enough to be joined by Mr. Tracy Rash from, where are you at in South Carolina, Tracy? Uh, Union, South Carolina. You're in Union? Where's that? That What, what part of the state is that? Uh, that's considered the upstate area of South Carolina. Okay, so you're in upstate South Carolina. I'm not familiar out there as I should be. I know everybody I talk to say the hunting sucks compared to what we got, so I ain't been out there yet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it can get a little rough. Yeah, and you, uh, you've got coon hounds and squirrel dogs, correct? That's correct. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of focus. We're going to, of course, I ain't going to go through a whole podcast without talking about coon dogs, but we're going to talk about the squirrel dogs mostly. Uh, As you know, I love any dog that competes, and I know that the squirrel dogs in your kennels have been in the hunts, and I'm curious about those because I'm going to be frank. I don't know exactly how they work or how they're scored or what it takes to be a good squirrel dog, so I'm going to pick your brain about that too, but... First, uh, let's talk about how you got started in these dog sports. Have you been in South Carolina all your life? Uh, yes, I was born and raised uh, within a few miles of where I live now. Uh, I'll be 52 years old uh, this coming November, so born and raised and been here all my life. When did you start your hunting? Uh, I started as a little boy, uh, a gentleman close to us here named Jeff Parkins. He has passed away now, but he's probably was damn full. He was had a bigger influence on kids in our area than probably anybody around. And he used to drag us all around when we was just nine, ten years old and uh, had a love for dogs ever since then. What kind of dogs did he have? Uh, he had walker dogs. Did he? Did he just coon hunt or did he squirrel hunt too? Uh, he coon hunted, but he did have a couple little rat terriers that he squirrel hunted over the years. But he never done any competition hunting, just a little pleasure hunt. Yeah, were the rat terriers pretty good squirrel dogs? Uh, yes, they was great squirrel dogs. Really? You know, I had a I had a buddy here that lived when I was growing up that had a rat terrier that treated every squirrel in the yard, but I didn't know if they made good squirrel dogs or not. I like them little dogs. They're cool dogs. Oh, yeah. He, uh, 
uh, his was real good. He, he had a certain bloodline that he used and, um, they was real. You could kill all the squirrels you could uh, carry with them. No kidding. I'll be darned. What's the squirrel population out? Has it been about the same the whole time you've been out there, out there chasing them? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, we have a decent squirrel population. Uh, we, we can't kill like they can out in your area. Um, you know, you, our limit on South Carolina is 10 per party per day. And, yeah. uh, you've got to hunt a pretty good day just to kill 10 out here. And that's per party. That's if you got four uh, guys, four guys, you can still only kill 10 squirrels. No, it's four, four per person. Oh, I'm I got sorry. you. I got you. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that ain't very many squirrels. If you get a bunch of guys together. No, but, uh, 90% or 95% of the hunting that we do, uh, I don't even carry a gun most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's like, more about the chase and, and listening to the dog work and than it is for the kill for me. Yeah. When did you, uh, when did you get your own dogs and realize this was going to be a, a lifelong passion? Uh, when I was in high school in 1988, a uh, buddy of mine here, he had a female off of Spring Creek Rock. He bred the Lipper mm-hmm. and, he gave me a pup in 1988. He was born July the 4th. And that was my first coon dog that I owned. And he made a decent dog. But, you know, when you're young and stuff, you don't really know what you're doing. And uh, I thought he was a world beater, but probably the average person wouldn't feed him. <laughs> did uh, Did he trail a lot, Tracy? Yeah, he trailed a lot. And he treated quite a few coons yeah. and stuff. But, um but I had I had a lot better, but in my eyes, he was the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Them first them first ones are always the best ones. It seems like when you when you get one going, it's your first dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, uh, when but he you, was a good one. When did you get your first squirrel dog? Uh, I had my first squirrel dog. I haven't been hunting squirrels that long. I hunted over the years with with other people that had squirrel dogs, yeah. but um, probably. I've got a little Parnell Carolina cur out here. Uh, Mr. James Parnell down in South Carolina, it was his breed. And she's 11 now. And she was probably my first little squirrel dog. And she she's nothing special, but I could treat a few squirrels with her. But I used her more as a brooding, breeding female and raised quite a few good litters of pups. It's passed on to make pretty good squirrel dogs, you know, for the small, smaller type dogs. Yeah. What What breeding did you say she was? What kind of dog is she? Uh, she's a Parnell Carolina cur. Mr. James Parnell, he he started that breed. He took some Stephen Stock curs and bred them over to a feist that he had, and that was the line that he had started. So he's he's in bad shape right now and in a nursing home, but uh, he had that line quite a few years. You know, and that, that used to be common that people would start, even with coon hounds or, or squirrel dogs or something like that, they would make an outcross. I remember the, the coon hound guys – back in the day would outcross on a bird dog or, or a cur dog or something like that, you know, and they would have their own. And I think the lion guys kind of still do that out West, you know, where they kind of just had their own line that they liked and they bred it for years and years and years. And it, you know, they kind of knew what they had with every litter. Is that still, I mean, cause it's not common in coon hounds anymore. As you know, is it common in squirrel dogs for folks to do that? Uh, yeah, you're seeing it a lot more now. Uh, you still got the, the cur dogs, you know, the OMCBA, original mountain curs. You've got the hounds that do some squirrel hunting, but you've seen a lot more of the the cur hound cross, the cur bird dog cross, hound bird dog. Uh, people are just trying to make a mix that they like and, and trying to breed a dog that 
that suits them. And a lot of the registries now in the squirrel hunting um, categories, you can hunt the mixed up dogs. So you've got a chance to breed for a dog that you like to be able to hunt in those registries. And, you know, that's one thing I always appreciate. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm a great fan of long lines of purebred tring walkers or blue ticks or whatever. But it seemed like uh, when PKC came along and you could almost register anything and hunt anything, you know, I thought it was kind of a blessing. And now UKC's doing the X-bred stuff, you know, so they've come along too. But it's, it was kind of a blessing to be able to mix those pedigrees and those genetics up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, take take a good from your breed and try to cross it into another breed to try to improve what you've got and add a little outside into it. I think that's really worked for a lot of people. What uh, you talked about hounds at the squirrel hunts and people that are coon hunting with or squirrel hunting with hounds, and I've got a squirrel dog. He ain't much of a squirrel dog. My boy got him off a friend of mine. Uh, he'll tree. He he's got does a lot of things I like. You know, he hunts really hard. He's got a big motor, uh, but he ain't treeing nothing unless he's looking at it. I mean, mm-hmm. you may go, and luckily he's road broke, so we just rode him. But you may be you may be twenty miles in between trees. Now he's gonna have a squirrel every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, what about? Because I know there's differences. You know, the hounds are are gonna be more apt to trail i would think than the cur dogs would and i mean i'm sure there's some other differences amongst them but what are the good hounds that you see at the hunts or uh, what are their what are their traits like uh most of them will get wooded pretty quick uh get you on the scorecard a lot of them will uh they'll get a few of their squirrels and they may cover you see a lot more of the hounds that may cover more than the curs and some of the tree and curs so, and you've got to be pretty quick on the draw if you've hunting with a hound that that'll cover on you. Uh, you've got to not be scared to tree your dog because they'll come in and steal some of your trees. But uh, what I see with the hounds, a lot of them is not as accurate as the curs and some of the tree and curs out there. But they can still, on bad days, a hound can carry in a scorecard where on a good day you might a hound may make five or six trees and be all circles and you get one cur dog or something out there and make one tree and have a squirrel and beat you. So, um, it's just, uh, uh, a lot of people like the hound because they tree harder. It sounds better in the woods. Um, but it's just, it's a a lot of, a lot of your preference. It's whatever you prefer, but, um, but there's some good hounds out there though. What are those good hounds typically bred like? I mean, or is there a, or is there a line of hounds that, that fits the squirrel scene better than, than others? Yeah, you see, um, you see some bone, a lot of bone collector dogs because they're tight. They're, you don't want yeah. them barking on the ground. Yeah. Uh, seems like the bone collector breed does that. Uh, we've got a female. I don't have her here. She's in Pennsylvania right now. She's clover bred. Um, when she barks, you can treat her. Uh, but most of the hounds that's out there, they may bump on the ground a little, but I would say a high percentage of them, when they bark, they treat. Really? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because well, you don't want them barking on the ground. You know, you want them in the squirrel woods, you don't get strike points. All you get is tree points, and uh, you just don't want one beating on the ground. You want him, when he barks, you want to put him on the card. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would be an advantage. What do you... And, you know, we talked about this before the podcast came, before we started recording, but the reason I called you yesterday or I messaged you yesterday is because of the 
the post Stephen Green put on Facebook. And of course, you're feeding Joy dog food. This is the Joy uh, podcast. But you had a whole kennel full of winners, and you were telling me some of them are yours, some of them are outside dogs and stuff. But tell me about what's in your kennels right now, Tracy. Uh, I've got five dogs out there. Um, I've got uh, a female called Little Anna. She's um, she'll be eleven years old September the sixth. And anybody in the squirrel dog world. If you call that name out, they know her. She's uh she's won three world titles. Uh, she won two world hunts years ago, uh, two consecutive weekends. She won the Claude Thomas NKC World and won the world hunt, the UKC World, the very next weekend. And I didn't have anything to do with that. Jamie Bollinger up in Kentucky and um, Isaac Peavy House uh, handled her on those days. That ja- Jamie and Isaac owned her. Uh, Isaac owned her or Jamie owned her and bought her the next weekend, something like that. But uh, she's as good as anything out there in my kennel. She's probably my favorite. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I've had her here four years now. Uh, The first hunt I ever put her in, I won first place with her. Um, And we've, she's got a world tree title and a couple of world hunt titles. Um, And then I've got um, Rockets Josie out here owned by Kayla Wilson uh, she's an eight-year-old uh, OMCBA cur, and last year we had a good run. We finished, We was the national champion cur female, well, the cur dog of the uh, national championship at yeah. NSD out in Tennessee. Uh, she was reserve uh, legacy mountain cur female uh, reserve world champion last year, and we, we won some more hunts with her. Um, I've got uh, – a female out here out of Anna and Tank called Lily. Uh, she's owned by Jimmy Emmon, and, and uh, we use her for breeding. Uh, we just weaned the pups off of her, and literally Anna, at 11 years old, just weaned three puppies a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, she's She's got world champions out of her out there, and I think we figured it up. She's got um, – over her pups has won over sixty or seventy thousand dollars in winnings, and right now she's probably got. Uh, I'm trying to think. There was three females out of her, including her, that's got over thirty pups on the ground right now within the last six or eight weeks. Really, and uh, so she's made her mark. Yeah, and then we got a, a, a English uh, coonhound out here named Shorty. She's a PKC gold champion, grand night champion, and she's bred to Caleb Wilson Sambo dog. And people that know the Sambo dog knows his history. Yep. Um, and then I've got a male dog out here, belongs to Glenn Rogers. Uh, Festus, his name is Festus, and he's his stud dog. And so I'm running him at stud for, we call him Pappy. And he's throwing some nice squirrel dogs too. What breed is he? And, He's a OMCBA cur yeah. and he's a he's a four time world champion. Yeah. So, you know, I'm blessed to have friends um that trust me with their dogs. And, you know, most people uh that I've got dogs out here for, you know, they're more like family than they are friends. And, you know, not a lot of people will put pe- uh, dogs in your hands like that. That that caliber. No, no, I agree. And as someone that's hunted for the public before and people from the outside think, you know, hunting for a living is great. Uh, I'd love to take some dogs for the public, and, and I'll hunt them for whatever, how many dollars in a sack of feed. You know, you see it all the time. But it's hard 
especially you know when i did it and worked and done all that stuff too and was still hunting five or six nights a week it's hard to take care of someone else's dog hunt someone else's dog and do everything you need to do in your life as well it's not it's not an easy task so apparently you're doing pretty well at it because you got some repeat business yeah yeah and i um uh like i say i most of the dogs i got out here belong to others or you know i'm kind of i say i'm partners on them yeah uh but i enjoy going to the hunts and all that but i really enjoy raising puppies too i i do uh i raise i just uh, weaned three litters at the same time uh within the last month so that was a pretty good task three litters at one time yeah as a, as someone that's so frustrated <laughs> after four weeks of the same of one litter i can't imagine having three <laughs> yeah it was it was fun though uh you know i i kind of i kind of enjoy it and people laugh at me my buddies pick on me i mean i tell people all the time there's more to raising puppies and feeding them and keeping them fresh water in them yeah uh mine are handled daily they're they're I feed them joy dog food, uh, their worm, my vet checks them. So, you know, there's a lot more work to it. And I know a lot of people raise better puppies than I do, but you know, when, when I got a female here raising them, I give it my all. And when people get them, they, they're really pleased with them. Let's talk about raising puppies for a little bit, Tracy, because that's the part that I like. I like having a, a good female, uh, bred right puppies that i'm going to be excited about as soon as they hit the ground matter of fact i got hazel out here who's getting ready to drop pups the first week of september and like you i enjoy that part of it and i have a bit of a of course every dog's different and everything's different and you're, you're going to adjust along the way but i have a bit of a program you know to where you know those puppies are exposed to everything i can expose them to before they leave this house they're handled just like you said they're handled they're exposed to loud noises they're in the they've been in the truck before or a four-wheeler and they've went down the road just a little bit or something like that before even someone comes and picks them up but is there anything special you do with your pups is it kind of the same routine with every one of them or do you vary it you know depending on the litter uh i pretty much do the same thing with all mine as soon as they hit two weeks old or i start opening uh i bring them in the house a lot um bring them in then uh my kennels are out behind the house there and during the summertime i take my lawnmower a lot of times and i know this sounds crazy but i'll take my lawnmower out there and just crank it up and let it idle while i clean kennels out just, i do the same thing i'll be i do the exact same thing anything that makes them racket i want i want them exposed to some noise but i'm glad to hear that yeah i think it's crazy but it you know it works you know uh i've got videos of my pups out there with the lawnmower running I'm squirting kennels out. They're playing with the water, not paying the lawnmower any attention. Yeah. Uh, I talked to a, a buddy of mine the other day, and he's got his kennels inside of a building, and he's got a CD with gunshots on it. And he says he pl- he'll go out in his kennels, hit the play button on loud, and it's gunshots going through the kennels and stuff. He said that works for him. That's that is a good idea. I like that. Yep. So you know you can learn different things, but. Uh, but mine are, you know, I do the, the lawnmower thing. Uh, uh, I take them, I've got a little pond down there behind my house. I take them down there and let them play around in the water and, uh, just anything you can do handling wise helps when the next person gets them. Yeah. And that's just one step. Cause everything with, with dog training, in my opinion, is a building block. And if you skip one block 
and then it always comes back you know down the road five six months down the road you know something that you skipped or especially in training like a gun dog you know if you don't build a proper foundation it seems like they're just going to be either they're either going to struggle to the point that that they're not good at their job or they're going to you're going to have to go backwards and start over with them at some point right what about yeah. what about picking one because i know i have a system as far as which one i pick too and i always just pick the prettiest male <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not i'm a female person yeah um, why are you a female person do you have better luck with females tracy i'm just always like the female um you know, most of the male dogs, they'll hike their legs up on every tree in the woods a lot of times. Yeah. And uh, most of the females, uh, I've just had good luck with females, but uh, I actually, uh, on hounds, uh, the more white, the more like is my comment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love a white hound. Um, the female we've got that's in Pennsylvania right now, her name's Dot the Eye. I own half interest in her with Dean Wright and Tom Smith, and she's, clover bread and she's got a lot of white on her but yeah. um usually if i'm going to pick a puppy it's uh just the one that catches my eye i don't look for anything specific you know uh the way they act or anything if i go out there and i say you know i like that pup and that's just the way i pick mine yeah yeah, yeah that sometimes i think it's better which i've and one of the reasons i like males and the problem that we have with our males is longevity now I can start a male and get a male going and get a male successful in a cast uh, at a better rate and earlier than I can a female, it seems like. And I think that's just part of my uh, attitude as a trainer and what I expect out of a dog. It seems like that alpha male pup better suits me. But it seems like, and you're right, I have the same problem that you are. Uh, they're going to they're gonna want to be dominant. They're going to pee on everything. They're going to have trouble with other males in a cast sometimes. And those are problems that females don't have. So what we've been doing here lately, it seems like, is we burn our males out. And then those slower starting females that we have are good, you know, long term. It seems like mm -hmm. when they're five, six, seven, eight years old, I can still go out there and compete with them. Whereas with the male pups, you know... It seems like they're burned out. Is that something you guys see in squirrel dogs too or not? Uh, I don't think we see it as much in the squirrel dogs. You've got, you've got some squirrel dogs on the, uh, on the circuit now that's eight, nine, 10 years old, still competing, yeah. um, male and female. But I just, I've just always liked that female. And most of the time though, they'll come in heat at the weirdest times that, you know, you got a big hunt coming up. Next thing you know, they're in heat. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a bad thing about a female, that would be probably one of the downfalls. But I don't know. Like I say, I've just always liked a female. Other than than Festus out there in the kennel, uh, I've got four females. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if if he wasn't here, I'd probably have another female in his hole. What do you, What are you looking for in them young pups? As far as you know, is there anything you notice at them or notice out of them when they're two, three, four months old, you know, pretty early that you think is, is going to be more chances for success? A lot of them, you know, uh, when, when I'm here, I've got a, I've got a small track of land here. And, but when I let my pups out the kennel, uh, I just open the door and next thing you know, you're hunting pups. So, and, and the wife here has a bunch of cats in the yard and uh, we've got, they'll be chasing cats at, couple of you know yeah. six seven weeks old and 
I just I think that with that you just got to watch their drive and stuff, and you got some that shows a little more interest in other things, and some of them just lay around at the kennel doors. But um, it's just going on what you're looking for in something like that. What about when they start hunting? Um, what is your do you have like a timetable? Because I know you know just as well as I do, some dogs are going to start early, some dogs are going to start a little later. But do you have a timetable as to when you expect that pup to to really be turning it on, treeing its own squirrel, you know, doing the things that you want it to do? I don't uh, specifically because, and and I tell you just as good as I will anyway, I'm not a pup guy that much as far as being able to train one because my job does not allow me the the access to really put the time into a pup. Right. But I think the internet has hurt hunting to an extent because you get a few of these wonder pups out there and everybody thinks their pups should be just like that one. And I think a lot of pups are cold or given up on a little early than they should. Yeah, I agree. That's a problem, but I know like in our side of it, uh, and you know, you'll see pups and I've sold a bunch of them where they're real close and they're going to be a pretty good dog but they're not going to do it by their first super stakes or something like that, you know, something. And that, those are the needs that I have, you know, when I'm looking at something I have to compete with, I can't waste the time, uh, or the energy on a slow starter when I need to be ready by, you know, April of next year. And so right. with the squirrel dog events, are there any events like that? Cause I'm very unfamiliar with all the squirrel dog events. Are there any events like that for pups or is there anything you got to get them ready for? Do you have a timeline or something like that? Yeah. And the, uh, uh, there's three organizations that I hunt. It's the NSD, uh, the USDC. I hunt a little in that and the OMCBA and all three of them have a pup, uh, fraternity similar to like PKC, yeah. uh, you know, and so that's that's really helped within the last couple of years since they've started them programs. Uh, people are starting to push pups a little more than they used to. And you've got some dogs that are winning now uh, against the bigger, older season dogs as puppies because they're pushing for that fertility and the pup derbies and, and all that. And they're paying decent money on the squirrel dog side to win these things. So I think that has stepped up a lot of people's game on their breeding. They've been a little more selective on what they're breeding to, to try to get that dog. That's, you know, they're trying to breed that superstar. Do, do squirrel dog pups generally start earlier than a hound pup? Uh, some of them do because there's a lot more hands on yeah. from what I can tell with the squirrel dogs than they are the coon dogs. Cause you know, when you coon hunting, you cut a dog loose or cut two or three dogs loose. They're going to be, you know, half, three quarters of a mile sometimes, especially up here in our country. Yeah. Uh, but on coon or squirrel hunting, like we went this morning, we hunted an hour and 15 minutes, and I think we made 10 or 11 trees. So squirrel hunting's a little more action-packed and a little more hands-on than the coon hunting is. Yeah, and I wonder, because, and it seems like, and don't I, I may be completely off base here, but it seems like the squirrel dogs are, are quicker to tree and quicker to want to sit down and stay treed than a lot of the hound pups. Is that, is that correct or not? Yes. Yes. Once, uh, uh, with the squirrel dogs, once they smell where that squirrel went up, uh, they're going to tree, you know, they may run on the ground 
a good ways, but they're not going to bark. And then yeah. once they bark their tree where a hound may trail, you know, a quarter of a mile or so trailing that coon, and then he's going to throw that big locating tree, that squirrel dog is going to tree three or four times, you know, before that hound yeah. will get treed good. Do you, uh, do you let your squirrel dogs tree coons? Uh, yes. Uh, Anna out here, um, is probably as good a coon dog as you'd want to cut loose at night or was when she was younger. Yeah. Um, and Festus out there, he's won a couple of world coon hunts and some world squirrel hunts. So, you know, he's, both of those are dual purpose dogs and, uh, some of the hound guys hunt dual purpose, but it's a little harder for the the hounds, I think, in my opinion, for them to flip that switch from day to night. Yeah, I bet that. Um, I can see how that would be the case. Yeah, you see a lot of, and, and a lot of people won't, don't want to admit it, but a lot of these slick tree and hounds at night are tree and squirrels. Yeah. Because some of the squirrels are down, uh, you know, a good full moon night, the squirrels will be on the ground feeding just like they are in the daytime. And a lot of people's tree and dens or, or nest and all that. And they're, Oh, it's a squirrel or a coon, but nine out of 10 times they're slicking on squirrels, but they just want it, don't want to admit it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we always, and I've had a couple of dogs that were bad on squirrels and, you know, that's one thing as, as handlers, and we've preached this a hundred times on this podcast is you got to be honest with what your dog's doing or you can't really fix it. Yep. And, and a lot of, oh, I ain't gonna say a lot, but some of the uh, coon hounds or the hounds that are on the squirrel circuit now didn't make it as coon dogs. They, yeah. they was treating squirrels at night and uh, that's why they're on the coon on the squirrel circuit. Yeah. I, one of the things that appealed to me whenever my son, I, I allowed my son to get a squirrel dog against my better judgment because that's all we needed at the time. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that appealed to me was that when I'm, when I'm competing or when I'm hunting my hounds, it's always with an eye on the competition side. And so they're not allowed to be, you know, they're not allowed to just go out and be dogs. You know, they're not mm-hmm. allowed to catch a possum on the ground over here, tree squirrel, and then, and then run a coon or do whatever, you know? And, and one of the things that appealed to me with the cur dog is I can take this dog out in the winter in the daytime when I got nothing else going on and I can just let it be a dog. And you know, he has a ball who knows what that dog's going to end up with. He will treat some squirrels. He loves coons. I mean, he, he'll treat a fire out of coons at night. He's better on coons than he is squirrels actually. But I mean, is that something that you guys enjoy because i know surely in them hunts uh they're not allowed to treat possums and coons and things like that too so do you guys shy away from all that stuff uh we try to uh you know we we do treat a few possums and coons during the day squirrel hunting but uh and like i say once you're once you're coon hunting and you're more dialed in and and it's more uh, i'm not gonna say more serious coon hunting than it is squirrel hunting you got some guys out here Every time they turn a dog loose, it's like they're in a comp hunt. Yep. Uh, but we we kind of let our hair down and and enjoy the 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 aspect of the squirrel hunting a little more. We're we're constantly training, but I don't think we train as hard on the squirrel side as we do the coon side. As far as the you know deadhead seriousness of yeah. of everything. That sounds like way more fun to me. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I, I honestly, I love coon hunting. That's what I started with. That's what I cut my teeth on. But I enjoy this squirrel hunting 10 to 1 now over the coon hunting. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys that 
that have either switched to they they were coon hunters lifelong coon hunters and they've switched to either beagles or, or cur dogs and that was one of the reasons is it's just laid back uh not as serious and a little more enjoyable for them mm-hmm. yeah well like like i say this morning we went we hunted two dogs um we made our trees we walk you know we cutting up we having a good time um you know in the coon hunting world from what i can see is you turn four dogs loose now and they've trained these dogs to where they don't want to look at another dog so you may go a half a mile one way the next guy goes a half a mile you don't see anybody today come and score your tree yeah but yeah. in the squirrel dog world we pretty much stay together as much as we can during the cast you know if we all split we all if if we own a three dog cast and all three dogs split you go handle your dog. You come back to the first guy to tree. Yeah. Uh, you sort. You score that tree. You go to the next guy and the next guy. So you're a little more together, uh, talking and having a uh, having a good time in, in the squirrel woods. Tell me about and that's what you you touched on a little bit about how the casts go. And like I told you earlier, I'm completely ignorant as to far as far as how the dogs are scored, what what you're looking for in a dog and stuff like that. So say you what. What about a dog? You're, you've start, you've got a young dog. You're getting it ready for a hunt. When when do you think that dog is ready to go compete at a high level as far as the squirrel side goes? What's he got to be doing before you'll even take him to a cast? Uh, he's got to be able to get trees um, in, in about all conditions. I mean, in the squirrel woods, you hunting morning, morning cast. You hunt afternoon cast. You hunt some midday cast. So you got to have a dog that's not scared to gamble a little bit and get treed because you know yourself in the squirrel woods when you cut when you go in those squirrels are wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. He it 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 still amazes me how a dog can tree a squirrel to this day because if you ever go sit in a deer stand and watch a squirrel, it's like how does a dog ever tree it? It does but, me too. It blows my mind. <laughs> but you got to have a dog that that'll get treed uh stay treed no matter what goes on around it um you got to have one that's that's not scared to gamble and you got to have one with some stamina and drive in him because uh we have some hunts around here you hunt forecast a day hour hour and a half rounds and you got to have a dog with some stamina that can keep up with that too yeah what kind of what kind of range do these dogs have say you're in your country where there's not as many squirrels as there are here we got tons of squirrels dog don't when a when it's a nice clear sunny day a dog don't have to go very far to tree one but what kind of range are you looking at are you free casting them dogs and you want them to go as hard as they can you know until they get treed or you want them to hunt around you what are you looking for as far as a hunt style uh when you cut him you want him to go till he gets treed um most of our trees around here anywhere from 300 to seven 800 yards yeah uh, but you want him to get tree. You don't, when you're in the comp hunting, you don't want him standing around your feet. Uh, you want him to get out there and get you on the card and get you some points to, you know, to try to win in advance. Yeah. Do, uh, do these dogs move around? I assume they move around really good, you know, as far as how fast they're going on the garment and how much ground they're covering. Oh yeah. You can watch your garment and, and a lot of them, are around i would i would guess six seven miles an hour you have some that range up to eight ten eleven miles an hour yeah um on the garmin but uh you've got some that uh uh that get treated in there i've seen them i've seen them tree 
900 to a mile, mile and a half before. Yeah. Uh, but you've got some that are hunting tree a couple hundred yards from you. What uh, uh what kind of mouths do they have? Are they pretty loud? Because I know, like my cur dog, I can hear him forever. It seems like, especially in the winter time. Yeah, you got um, uh, the cur dogs seem to have a little higher pitched mouth. You can hear a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the hounds, I mean, I've treated them in before at at a, at a mile before. Uh, but you got to have the right territory, the right conditions, and all that to hear them that far. But um, most of the time, uh, you can hear a dog really good between six eight nine hundred yards yeah um, and they all got different type mouths like I say some of them it's just like hounds you got some with a little coarser mouth some with a little deeper ball of mouth and then some with a high pitch that carries like a you know like a coyote does yeah, yeah. what kind of terrain are you guys usually hunting in is it hills uh yes our, our territory here is uh rolling hills and and uh we got what we call the broad river that runs through our territory and that's pretty much where we do most of our hunting out around it. And it's, uh, uh, it can be flat around the rivers, but most of it's, uh, it's hilly, but it's not mountainous by no means. Yeah. How are, how are them dogs scored? You know, I assume, uh, there's tree points just like on, in a coon hunt where first dog gets the most, if there's two dogs on the same tree, et cetera. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, the NSD organization, that's the one I mostly hunt. Uh, the tree points are 100 for first, 40 for second, and 20 for third. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that's a that's and, a big gap. Yeah, and, and the reason the gap is, uh, from what I can, you know, just talking and when they set the rules up, uh, if you got a dog out there that backpacks and covers some, he's going to have to do a lot more covering than that one dog that goes out and makes a couple of trees and has a squirrel. And then if the points are more, like 75, that backpack can backpack three trees and beat you on two. Yeah. And you might have the meat on two of yours, but he's going to come in and cover. So this way right here, it, it puts you to training that dog to where he don't cover as much. You want them hundreds if you can get it. Yeah. And you're looking for independent dogs just like we are. Right. And on the squirrel woods, you want an independent dog. Yeah. Are, yeah. are they, are they naturally in, are you, cause you know how it is with the hounds too. We look for natural independence and then we, we just encourage that throughout their entire life. Is that the same thing you're looking for in a young squirrel doll? Yes. Yes. About the same thing. And, and some of it you have to, you know, you have to train that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to know what you're doing with that shot collar or, or a little switch there. Um, you know, you want to, you want to do all you can to encourage that dog to be treated by itself. Yeah. And do they scatter out just like our hounds do? Oh Yeah. Yeah, they, they, some of them, you'll be 500 yards one way, 700 one way, and it's just like coon hunting in a way, you know, yeah. but you're just doing it in the daytime. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> and a lot more action. I mean, if you've never been on a cast, uh, uh, you need to look up when they have a squirrel hunt near you and, and watch how it's run and operated, and you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, and you said uh you said there's there's getting to be quite a and i've heard these two these stories too that there's getting to be quite a money and a lot of money in the sport just like there is with the coon hounds of course we're having hundred thousand dollar hunts and we're doing this and we're doing that and i think it's great for the sport are you seeing the same thing as far as improvement in the dogs and the handlers and stuff like that since the money's come in oh yeah the dogs to me are, are you know everybody's breeding to have that good one 
And at any given hunt with the squirrel woods, it's kind of it's a little more luck than it is on the coonhound side. But uh, but they're paying out big money, and and it's any given weekend when you go to a squirrel hunt now, uh, you're going to draw a top dog on your cash because people's not going to pay these five hundred thousand dollar entry fees and hunt an average dog. Yeah, I uh, just I just love that they're having big money hunts, and hey, are they giving trucks away in one too? Yeah, the USDC. Is they give away a truck hunt every year, and they do what they call a joy post and invitation on it. Pays out, I think, around fifty, sixty thousand dollars. And this year they're trying to shoot for a uh, hundred grand to give out this year. No kidding, a hundred thousand dollar squirrel hunt. That where's yep. that going to be at? Uh, it's in. Uh, I think it's in Indiana. Yeah. Don't quote me on it, but it's uh, it's the USDC and jeff island down in alabama and greg maynard up in ohio and yep. a lot of people know greg uh uh greg's the president of usdc and greg's good for the sport and jeff and them and you know it's uh, uh it's it's a good organization to hunt in it's it they have a, a lot more money hunts you know the higher yep. entry hunts and stuff but um then the other organizations like the nsd uh they have a lot of 30 dollar hunts 100 dollar hunts 50 dollar hunts and you know, it's just going on what you want to hunt. You can you can spend thirty dollars for a hunt, or you can spend five hundred or a thousand for a hunt. Yeah, and I that's one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, luckily for coon hunting, just as you know, there's there's a level for everybody. You know, you can go hunt a cash for twenty bucks at a UKC hunt and maybe go twenty miles down the road and have a good time, or you can go spend seventy five hundred at the highest pro classic there is you know so there's there's the same levels in in the squirrel hunting too it looks like yes yes you got you know you've got a lot of the guys that can can hunt either one you know a lot of them hunt all the registers um you know i i've hunted in all of them uh, over the years at the, you know in the same year yeah um but i i've i kind of cut my teeth with nsd uh registry and and i still support the other ones but Kind of my, I, I always tell them my bread and butter is kind of the, the NSD because it's more on my level that that I can afford. Yeah, yeah, and that is that. Do they got different? I assume they got different rule sets for all of them, but they're still pretty similar. They're similar, um, but they're they're a lot alike. You know, like you got uh, with a squirrel hunt, you got different search areas for your tree. Uh, your dog can be treed, and most of the most of the organizations you got a 60 foot search area around that tree. And some people say, wow, that's a lot of area. But if you ever watch those squirrels, you know, you get a cold morning dog trees, squirrel could have been on that tree where he's treed at, but he may be in a net. He may have came out of a nest, uh, 30 feet over or so. Yeah. That's one thing because them squirrels can move forever. 60 feet don't seem like it's very far. You know, you figure 20 yards off a tree, a squirrel can do that in five or six seconds right and and it gives you know it gives you a chance to you know if you watch some of the hunts online i mean when the guys leash their dog uh they start hitting around beating around on the trees and and that squirrel may be two or three trees over it, but that dog winded it or that that squirrel could have went up that tree yeah and fed over into another tree so it gives you a chance uh uh to get you get your dog on the card and, and instead of being in that f- the same tree that he's treed on in the do you have hunts i assume you have hunts when the leaves are on too yes we have hunts when the leaves are on too and the leaves off but we try to we try to start our hunts 
around end of September, first of October. Uh, that way, the leaves are starting to go off some. Yeah, and it's not as hot too. Yeah, what uh, because you talked about a dog needed to gamble, it needed to take some chances and stuff, and I could see with the way its scoring is, and especially when you're hunting with the leaves on. A squirrel's a lot harder to miss in a tree than a coon is at night when you got a thermal and a and a squaller and all the tools that we carry around with us. And so out of, you know, say a dog, you're hunting an hour cast, the dog makes four trees. How many squirrels do you expect to see in those four trees in September, you know, October when the leaves are still on? Uh, really, if you, you can see one or two, you're going to be lucky. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can tree and, and see all four of them. Yeah. But uh the the percentage is way down it with the leaves off and and you mentioned thermals and stuff we got guys now that when they go out on a squirrel cast they've got their vest on and they've got a thermal in their pocket they we wear binoculars we use binoculars to look yeah. trees um you know they carry water bottles in the in their pockets the empty water bottle rub up on the trees and you'd be surprised that empty water bottle rubbing up and down that tree will make a squirrel move some. Uh-huh. I wonder if that works on uh, a coon. Have you ever tried that on a coon? Never have on a coon. Oh, but I, I asked an old guy from the mountains one day, he done that, and he says it, it kind of makes the sound of a hawk or owl's wings going through the trees. Really? And it spooks that squirrel some. That's yeah. what he told me now. Um, but you take that empty water bottle and rub up and down that tree real fast, and uh, I've, seen them, I've seen them move with it. Huh. I bet, I bet when there's that much money on the line, people bring out all the tricks, don't they? Oh yeah, you bring out all the tricks. Like I say, you got you got uh, the thermals out there. You got binoculars. I mean, you can see a squirrel laid up in a fork, and you might not see nothing but his ear, yeah, uh, sticking up. But if if you with a naked eye, you may miss him. But you can look, you can glass that tree with those binoculars and see everything on it. What about judging? Are they non-hunting judges uh, in the smaller hunt or bigger hunts and then hunting judges in the smaller hunts like ours, or is it all one or the other? Uh, we mostly have hunting judges. Uh, if we it's a bigger hunt, we try to have hunting judges the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. If, we have to, if we have a three-round hunt that day, uh, a lot of the squirrel hunts are broke down into rounds. If, if you've got more than nine dogs, you draw it in three dog casts, and or if it's a two dog, you can draw a two dog cast. Yep. But a lot of our casts, you hunt a, a morning, then you'll come back and hunt a midday round, and then an afternoon round. So what we try to do, we work it down to where we have a two or three dog final, and we try to have a non hunting judge for that final round. Do the cast go pretty smooth? Because you know how it is with. Uh, the social media these days, everybody's getting cheated, and I don't competition hunt because they cheated me out of my teeth, et cetera, et cetera. But you know just as well as I do that that's rarely the case. Most of these casts go off without a hitch, and everybody gets along pretty good. I assume it's the same way in the squirrel woods. Uh, and and in our experiences, it is. It's it's almost like a pleasure hunt with a scorecard. Yeah, that's the way I try to look at it. You got to be serious. Call your dog. Uh, Call him for what he's doing. Take your minuses if he minuses. Take your pluses if he pluses. But a lot of times we can have a hunt and we just laugh and cut up and have a good time the whole day. And and like I say, it's a it's a pleasure hunt with a scorecard. At the end of the day, the best dog don't always win. It's the luck of the draw. But 
most of the time it works its way out to where the best dog wins. Yeah, and that's the way. That it, day. Yeah, that's the way it usually is with us too. So what is what is the best dog right now? What's what's the good dogs that are running the NSD circuit or any of them other circuits? Oh, there there's so many of them. Um, uh, the, oh man, that's a that's a loaded question right now. <laughs> you, uh, you don't you don't want to pick sides on that one, huh? No, I, I mean there there's just so many good ones out there. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, if you watch the uh, if you look at the the Facebook pages every week. Um, it's it's almost a different dog winning every week. It's there's a, a few dominant ones out there, but I mean the it is it's there. There's a lot of good ones out there now. Yeah. Does does uh, area does the area that the dogs used to hunt in play a big role when they travel down the road like it does ours? I don't think it does. Uh, uh, it's kind of funny to say this. You would think a squirrel smells the same in south carolina as it does in mississippi yeah uh or a coon smells the same but you've got a lot of people that that they think just because we hunt in this area here our dogs are better than your area but i think the squirrel hunting in my opinion the dogs do the same or look the same about everywhere really uh on the coon side i've seen dogs from down south look totally like they didn't know what they was doing up north or vice versa yeah you know, dogs from up north come south, but you've got some that stand out and can look just as good everywhere. But in the squirrel woods, I've seen dogs look just as good in Alabama as I have in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's neat. Because um, that, I was thinking about that too, and it just seems like the way they hunt and the fact that they're not relying solely on a track every time they make a tree, I think would make a lot of difference as far as consistency goes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and like I say, I I guess and that a squirrel smells the same, or yeah. you know, with them with them not trailing as much, you know, they're just looking for where that squirrel went up. Yeah, and and they they get treed. Um, you know, some of the best dogs in the country um, look good everywhere. They they're more. I think the, the squirrel hounds are a little more consistent wherever they go, traveling yeah. and all that. I can see how that would be the case. What do you uh? What do you got in store, Tracy, as far as your competition hunts go? What do you got coming up? Um, in South Carolina, we've got um, we've got a hunt at the first of the year, Jan- uh, December the 30th and 31st. Uh, we have a, a all-fast hunt and an all-LMC hunt, which is Legacy Mountain Curs. Yeah. you got to be an original mountain cur. Uh, and then we're trying to promote the feist breed, and those are NSD hunts. Those are such cool um, dogs. I love them little dogs. <laughs> yeah, those those little feist dogs. They, uh, you know, a lot of people think that just because they little, uh, these feists today aren't the feist that our grandpas hunted. Yeah. Uh, those things that get out there and hunt just like these big dogs do. That's neat. Uh, but yeah, we've got that, and we've got a couple of uh, bigger hunts here in South Carolina, and then. Like say with the NSD organization, they running some circuits this year, like a Southern Division. They hunt eighteen dogs hunts at three hundred dollar entries, and the winner of they got three regions, and the winner of those three regions it'll be nine dogs advance to the World Hunt out mm-hmm. in uh, KDS, Kentucky. The nine winners of each one of those hunts to hunt for like eighty one hundred dollars for the final placement and stuff. No, oh, that's cool. Um, then you got the joy posting hunt, you know, they're shooting for a hundred grand this year. Yeah. Um, a lot of the USDC hunts are paying out. 
you know, they'll pay out 15, 20 grand a weekend. Yeah. Um, but we got a lot of local hunts coming up around, you know, in South Carolina, we host the, our, our host club here in Whitmire. Um, it hosts the, it hosted the UKC world squirrel hunt. We host the NKC world squirrel hunt. Uh, we host the OMCBA South Carolina State Hunt, so we host some pretty good hunts down here in South Carolina. It sounds like it. You got me. You got me wanting to get off here and get on the internet and see if I can find me a good squirrel dog. <laughs> well, you better dig deep in your pockets because they're not cheap now. No, and that that is one thing. Yeah, well, let's touch on that real quick, Tracy, because whenever the the money really got good in the coon hounds, uh, the prices just skyrocketed. And everybody, a lot of folks threw a fit and, oh, I can't, they're overpriced and they cost too much and this. and But when, well, the way I looked at it is a guy like me who likes to take a wean puppy and get it started, get it treeing its own coon consistently. And before, because in my opinion, when you got to take that dog from treeing coons alone really good to putting it in a crowd is when the hard work starts. That's the hardest part of getting a dog ready for a hunt. So that's when I like to sell them. And so these two thousand dollar dogs that i had been selling for you know 20 years all of a sudden became eight nine ten thousand dollar dogs and it was great for me uh, you could actually you could actually make a little money on your investment instead of losing it and so it what do you think about that is it the same way with the squirrel dogs these guys can start a pup and sell it for pretty good money now yeah um i mean you got pups now that's going you know you still got the three four hundred dollar pups out there yeah. uh and now you've got pups going for seven fifty, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars for yeah. a six eight week old wean pup, and you know if you got a pup that you're paying that much more money for, you're going to put a little more effort into it. Amen. Uh, Amen. You know, uh, you got. I mean, and I'm not downgrading anybody. I, me personally, I think it's crazy some of the prices these dogs are bringing. Yep. But if people are want to pay it and the market's there, you know, take advantage of it. Yep. But, you know, and, and you got squirrel dogs out there now. Uh, I know people that's got dogs. People's told them to write a blank check, said fill it out, whatever you want to pay, you know, whatever you want for it. Yep. Um, there's fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 squirrel dogs out there. Yeah. Um, you know, but you look on the um, – uh, I'm just going to use the USDC as a, as a reference. Uh, a Woody dog that the Perkins guys in Kentucky own – He's won seventy two or seventy eight thousand dollars lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for old poor boy like me. Yep. And uh but he's won a pickup truck, he's won a side by side, he's won two or th- a couple of world hunts and uh but then you got the the run of the mill dogs. Really and truly, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars won't hardly buy you nothing anymore. No, and I, um, I can see both sides, you know, especially if a guy wants to just get started. But I always say there's nothing. There's still a lot of opportunity out there on the coonhound side as far as getting a, like you said, a two, three, four hundred dollar pup and uh, getting it started and doing the work on it and having a good dog for you know ten years. And so I mean, there's still opportunity there. I assume it's the same way with squirrel dogs. Yes. Yeah, and and like I say, and and there's those two, three, four hundred dollar pups are in reality are probably just as good as what people's giving a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars for. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot, a lot of the coonhound puppies that are selling for three, four hundred dollars are very well bred pups out of good coon dogs. 
Yep. And it's just getting them in the right hands and yep. getting somebody that knows how to train it and what they're doing. And, um, you know, the sky's kind of the limit then. Yeah. So speaking of that, what would say there's someone listening to this podcast and they are, they've been, been around dogs a while, but they've never tried squirrel hunting or they're a young kid and they're wanting to get started. What advice do you give them as far as getting a dog and, and competing with it? I would, I would recommend finding a, a club because the internet is loaded with, with, um, hunts and, and information to where a hunt is. Uh, most of the time you've got a hunt within a couple of hours of your house. I would recommend getting your dad or granddad, or if you're old enough to drive, get in your truck, go to a local hunt. And the guys at the coon, at the squirrel hunts, you know, if somebody shows up that don't have a dog that's never hunted, we'll throw them in the truck with us and say, Hey, let's go have a good time with us. Yeah. Um, and that way you kind of see what you're doing. Uh, do not, I recommend don't buy a dog without trialing, you know, yep. take it, tra- take it on trial, go hunting with it. Um, and get somebody that, that knows what, what you're looking for to kind of help you because, you know, it's like coon hounds. I know, uh, well, I'm going to back up a little bit, uh, to a horse, uh, was at a horse show last night yeah. and a little girl had her mom and dad didn't know anything about horses. Uh, she didn't know anything about horses and they went and bought her a barrel horse mm-hmm. to run barrels on. And the horse is dangerous Yeah, and they didn't know what they was doing. They got over their head. Uh, they jumped on the first thing they seen and they don't know what to do now. And if you don't do that on a, you got to do your homework and go trial a dog and, you know, see what you like. And, uh, before you get in over your head, because, yeah. you know, you can drop a ton of money before you know it and you don't have nothing, uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. And I've always said in anything, when I wanted to, wanted to do a podcast, I called someone that was already doing one and was doing a good job and, and I, and picked their brain. I do the same thing with, dogs or with an auto mechanic or whatever find somebody that's really good at it find someone that that knows what they're doing and you see their dog and you say well i want a dog like that and then just go do what they do (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know just there's nothing wrong with being a copycat especially in this sport if i see something that's working you got to be humble enough especially as a guy that's got some experience be humble enough to just you know say those guys are have something better than what i have and that's what i want and and try to do what they do Right. And, and, uh, what I've noticed about, uh, about the squirrel dogs, um, people are more apt to help you than not help. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're gonna, you know, even in a hunt, uh, you know, they're gonna, they're, if, if me and you on a hunt and you've never been on one and my dogs can win the cast, I'm going to win the cast, but I will help you out in that cast if I can, yeah. you know, I'll give you some advice and tell you what to do and stuff like that. And a lot of people will, um, you know, they're still going to do their thing with their dog, but, but they're going to help you out as much as you can. And, but you got a lot of the coon hunters that they're not going to tell you anything, you know, you're going to take your lumps and you should have knew that before you came. Yep. Yeah. There is that culture, you know, with the coon hunters. And I think a lot of that is the guys that are my age now that are 40, 50 years old. That's how they came up. And they think that's how it should be done all the time. And I've been guilty of that as well. I've always said, go out there and take your lumps and learn in a cast. But, you know, we do need to help and be more helpful, you know, as a community, I think. 
Yeah, and I think that's what uh, I think that's what makes the squirrel hunting a little more popular. Uh, you see a lot of the kids in some of these squirrel hunts. A lot of young young girls, uh, young boys, uh, because it's something they're enjoying, and yeah. it's like any sport. You beat that kid down and cheat him and and wrong him, and it breaks his spirit. He's not wanting to come back. Yep. But you try to make the best experience you can for the first time hunter at 50 years old or the first time hunter at 10 years old and they'll keep coming back and that's what we want we want numbers and we want support and i think that's a good way to get it do it is to make sure and treat the newcomers how they're supposed to be treated yep and and i like say i see it a little more on the squirrel hunt uh you know you got a lot of the coon hunts and i'm not knocking them um pkc especially you sitting in a clubhouse at entry closes at seven People calling on their phone, confirming their entries. There's nobody at the clubhouse at 10 minutes to 7. All of a sudden, 5 minutes to 7, they're lined up out the door. Yep. Uh, with the squirrel hunts, our entry closed at 7 in the morning. We might have people here at 5, 30, 6 o'clock. We sitting around drinking coffee, talking, laughing, having a good time. Yep. Uh, and I see a lot of that camaraderie on the squirrel side. And like I say, I'm not knocking the coon side, but that's just the, that's just how it is. And that is, and you're not wrong. You're actually dead right. And that's something I've always said too, is, uh, there's a huge difference between a UKC hunt and a PKC hunt, especially there's lots of differences between them both, but the PKC side and you're right. And I'm just as guilty as the next guy. I show up right at deadline. I'm all business. I don't sit around and chit chat. I want to, I want to try to get my cast done and my dog worked on or do whatever I'm doing. You know, there's not a lot of camaraderie at those and, I think it's getting better. You know, I think we're 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 working on that, and that's been noticed. But yeah, you're not you're de- you're dead on. There, it's not like you know it used to be. Whenever uh, we'd go to a hunt, and the bench show would be at two, and we'd get there at noon to eat lunch, and then watch the bench show, and then sit around until dark, and everybody everybody be friends. You know, it's just not the same anymore. Nope. Uh, and and I've noticed that. You know, uh, our local club here at home. Uh, we host the Southeastern Tree and Walker Days now. It yep. used to be in Salisbury, North Carolina. Now it's in Union, South Carolina. Yep. Um, you know, and then uh, we used to have a couple of bigger hunts down here also, and and we brought a lot of lot of uh, income and and uh, and helped the economy here. But you just like say you fill up the motels, and even with our squirrel hunts, we we have we've had some big squirrel hunts here, and. Um, you know, you, you help the economy, the the, uh, the locals know what you're doing, especially um, they don't like it at first to an extent as far as they think you having a squirrel hunt, you going out here slaughtering squirrels. Yep. And when you tell them, hey, you show them your scorecard and a pencil and say, hey, this is how we hunt with a scorecard and a pencil. They're yep. like, oh, you don't kill? And we explain what we do. And you'd be surprised at the people that has wanted to go with us because – we're not out there killing yep yeah and um, I, I think the competition side is one of the things that solidifies you know both sports as far as there's no animals harmed uh it's all about the dogs and of course everybody loves dogs you know and so mm-hmm. i think it, it really is a a shining spot in what is otherwise a, a kind of cantankerous group of people towards hound hunting right yep and and i we try to encourage that i mean uh, we tell a lot of people like we've got a couple of convenience stores right close, and we like to we like have three or four cats going that way. We'll stop and 
people will stand around and talk at the convenience store. That's yeah. what y'all doing. And they'll want to see our dogs and, and all that. And, and, you know, it's just good PR stuff to let them know that, hey, there's good people out there. Yep, yep. You know, I agree. all hunters ain't bad. You know, yep. all hunters ain't looking to, to go across your property. Uh, we've had hunts here before, and um, dogs get on uh, uh, dogs get on people's private property and stuff. And uh, we try to – we try to smooth it over with them as, as good as we can. And yep. uh, one thing that's different about the, the squirrel hunting and the coon hunting is we're hunting in the daytime during most of deer season. Right. And we see, and we have to compete and, and argue with, not argue, but uh, reason with a lot of people that think dogs are chasing the animals off. Yep. And, and the deer hunting in the daytime with the squirrel hunting, uh, we run into a little bit of that, but most of the time we try to avoid as much as that as we can. Yeah. The, the confrontation, you know, those deer hunters are, are out there and, and we try to look at, you know, they pay their money to hunt just like we do. And those confrontations, I don't care if you're hunting squirrels, coons, deer, hogs, whatever you're doing with the dog, sometimes those are just bound to happen. I don't know anybody that's done it for longer than, than a few years that hasn't had that. And the importance is how you handle that situation, you know, calmly, coolly, uh, collected. And, you know, frankly, you gotta be nice. And, you know, it's, it's not that deer hunter's fault that your dogs are over there. And it's really not your fault in most cases, you know, the dogs are going to go where the dogs go, but we have to have a working relationship with those people long-term. And so it's always good to, to get out there in front of that. And like you said, I think the competition hunt hunting aspect of it helps. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we've we've been hunting before in a comp hunt, and dogs would get get deep, and and we'd be on government land. Well, that's what we call it around here. Government yeah. is it's owned by the the forestry commission and all that. And uh, we've walked up on deer hunters before, and we apologize because I got my dog. He's my little my little house dog just got a squeaky toy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. We, we're a dog podcast. We hear we hear dogs all the time on this, Tracy. <laughs> But, but, uh, but we was out on um, one that rings a bell is we was out on a comp hunt and we walk up in the woods and there's a deer hunter sitting there on the ground. Yeah. And we apologize. We walked up to him and we apologize. Like, Hey, we didn't know you was in here. We rode around. He said, Oh, don't worry about it. He said, I've really enjoyed, uh, listening to these dogs out here. Yeah. And, you know, they, he was, he could have been rude or something, but, yeah. you know, we approached it the right way and, and he was understanding and, uh, but I think as a whole, we need to, you know, we need to help each other out because we all after one thing and just enjoy the sport and the outdoors, whatever you're hunting. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly, Tracy, and I don't think you could have said it any better. Uh, we've been at it for a while. Is there anything you want to add? I'm going to get you on here again because this is fun. I want to come out there and go, uh, I got to go see these dogs go. Sometime when you're at an event in, in halfway in between my house and your house, you're going to have to let me know. I want to come spectate okay yeah um uh what part of mississippi are you in i'm in i'm in missouri thank goodness i, don't want, I was in mississippi two weeks ago working and it was a billion degrees down there <laughs> yeah it's hot here <laughs> um they've got um uh they've got some cl- uh, squirrel clubs out in missouri out yeah. in dolphin yeah uh, i know where dolphin's are you at? From that? 
I'm way up in the northern northern half of the state, right up on the Iowa border, but I work down in the southern part of the state all the time. That's part of my area. I love the Ozarks, and I know there's a lot of squirrel dogs down there. I'd love to go down there and, and visit one time. Yeah, uh, uh, when we when we get off, I'll uh, I they get on me a lot of times. My friends about they say I know everybody everywhere. I never meet a stranger. Well, that's good. Uh, but uh, we can find you somebody to take you squirrel hunting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I want to do it, definitely. We'll get off here. Whenever we get off here, I'll uh, keep you on the line, and I'll get that stuff from you. Okay. Yeah, that'll be great. And and like I say, uh, uh, we're actually um, we're going to be having a, a, a big hunt in January out in Cesar, Illinois, this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how far you are from Cesar. Not far. I go, uh, out, I go out that way quite a bit to coon hunt anyway. I'll have to hit that one, and I ain't got nothing going on in January. Yeah, it's like the second week of January. Uh, we, it's the NSD National Championship. I think it's going to be uh, out in Cesar, and right. you'd you'd really you you can see some uh, the the national championship. It, it has all breeds of hunts. Uh, it's actually four separate hunts. It'll be the feist hunt against each other, the uh, the curs hunt against each other, the tree and curs hunt against each other, and the and the uh, mountain curs. And the winner of each one of those divisions comes together for overall battle of the breeds. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, I, I definitely want to hit that. We'll get. I'll get that info off of you. Or I'll look it up for sure. Okay. Yeah, and I really enjoyed you talking to me. And like I say, there's a whole lot better that was out there to carry on this conversation. But I love to talk. <laughs> oh, that that's the way we like it. You made it an easy podcast, and that's what I enjoy, Tracy. I got some awesome information out of it. Uh, congratulations on all the success you've had and i hope you do well this coming competition season as well and i'll, I'll definitely stay in touch we'll do this again all right i sure appreciate it thank right. you thank you tracy mm-hmm. she never die of starvation although she'll never eat the mud full of bravery and guts and always at my feet her ribs are showing her howl is long but she refuses to die Maggie will live 100 years longer than I Maggie the mud's always down in a some bone that she buried Maggie the mud don't get scars only cut she loves me and will not share me oh she loves me and will not share me
share me